Well, there'll be a number of new faces around Hockey East this season, and one of them is the new head coach at Merrimack College, and he's with us now. It's Mark Dennehy. And, uh, Mark, first of all, uh, take us through the process where you decided to apply for the job at Merrimack and then ultimately to accept it. Well, you know, I was down at the, at the coaches' convention down in Naples, which is an annual event, uh, a wonderful event, uh, where uh, all college coaches, Division Three, Division One club teams, uh, come together and talk hockey. Um, in the in the a beautiful setting down at Naples, and there were some rumblings that um, that Coach Serino had some other opportunities, and so you know I just explored it then, thinking that if it if it opened up, it would be a a job I would definitely be interested in. But also out of out of respect for Coach Serino and and his staff, um, you know it wasn't something I came to him with. Uh, upon returning home from that, uh, you know it, it then the news broke that he was taking a job at Malden Catholic. And right away, I tried to put myself uh, in a position where um, I'd have a, an opportunity to be considered for the job, uh, a wonderful job. I followed Merrimack Hockey uh, since I played in, in the late 80s, early 90s, knew Andy Hines, got to know Bobby Jay, uh, Jimmy Vesey. So really had a respect for not only the tradition of Merrimack Hockey, but um, for where I also thought it could go. Uh, put myself in position. Uh, sat down with uh, a number of people and obviously did a good enough job to be uh, named head coach, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, you touched on some of the things I wanted to get into. Uh, your, your background, as this is kind of an introduction uh, to you for, for a number of people who will hear this uh, for, for first uh, their first opportunity to hear you, but uh, let's talk about your background. Uh, you grew up in Dorchester, and uh, you played at Boston College 1987 to 1991, played under Lynn Siglarski, and uh, I, I to think that uh, playing under one of the most uh, highly respected, uh, well-known coaches in U.S. college history, that's got to be uh, uh, one of the things that you take with you everywhere you go. Well, you know, it was definitely a roundabout way. Uh, I consider myself a chameleon. Um, I, can, I can drop the R or put the R in, depending upon whether I'm talking to my uh, friends from B.C. High or Deerfield, uh, where I did a PG year. Um, you know, I actually, coming out of B.C. High, had the option of either going to Babson College or West Point. And it wasn't until that PG year at Deerfield where a position opened up uh, for a right-shot defenseman and, at Boston College, and um, they offered me an, an opportunity, and I took advantage of it. But it was definitely an experience playing at Boston College. Um, you know, I know I really enjoyed my four years there and hope the same for every kid I recruit. Uh, I said the same thing when I was at Princeton, Fairfield, and, and UMass. Uh, learned a lot from from coach Siglarski probably the most important of which was find good players and um, it holds true to this day and then uh, you moved on after your uh, playing career played in uh, played in Europe briefly and then uh, on to uh, coaching and uh, you spent a couple of years at UMass as a volunteer assistant on to uh, Princeton where you your first of two tenures with uh, with Don Cahoon uh, you spent a total of I believe eight years where working underneath uh, Underneath uh, Tude as, a, as an assistant coach at Princeton and associate head coach at, at UMass. Uh, talk about uh, working with him. Well, you know, they, they say that, that luck is when hard work meets opportunity. And, uh, and so I really consider myself lucky in a sense. Uh, having done two volunteer years at, at UMass, actually had an opportunity to leave after my first year and, and explore some other opportunities, but just felt that the experience I was getting as a volunteer assistant under Joe Mallon, who I played for at, at BC, um, was invaluable, uh, and it proved to be correct. Um, it, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, 
taking that extra year really gave me an opportunity to then apply for a, an open job at Princeton University, which, which is where I first met Don Cahoon. Um, obviously, Toots' reputation precedes him. Uh, he was at BU when I was a player at Boston College, uh, so we actually were across the ice against one another as player and a coach. Um, but really, getting the opportunity to work for him at, at, at Princeton opened up a number of doors for me. Uh, for whatever reason, he and I together have had a lot of success. My three years spent at Princeton were three of, of Princeton's best years in its history. Um, you know, I don't know how much I had to do with it. Uh, you know, I think I was just smart enough to take advantage of an opportunity um, with the likes of Sil Apps, the third, Jeff Halpern, Steve Sheriffs, who was an All-American defenseman, uh, um, Scott Bertoli, who has been on a number of East Coast Hockey League championship teams with the Trenton Titans. Uh, we had some real good teams. I parlayed that into a head coaching opportunity at Fairfield. And then when, when Don asked me to join his staff again at, at UMass, when he got the job as, as head coach of the Minutemen, uh, it was a no-brainer for me. And I think, you know, I've chosen a, a more difficult route because I felt it would best prepare me for uh, what is now a head coaching opportunity at Merrimack. Um, and I think that, that I, uh, the, the hard work and the persistence and the, the type of kids I, I was able to recruit at those schools has really prepared me to take this job and, and run with it and take this program to new heights. So uh, I feel I'm prepared, and I'm going to take a lot of the, the same principles with me to Merrimack that I used at, at Princeton, Fairfield, and UMass. Yeah, a couple of the things uh, that jump out at me, especially uh, you know, looking at your track record, is uh, both Princeton and UMass. Uh, the opportunity to take programs there, as you said, um, you're involved with helping them get to the highest points that they've been able to reach so far. And uh, I guess uh, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you. Obviously, obviously, you step into a situation here where Merrimack's been in hockey East, hasn't had an overall winning season since the late 1980s. And, uh, and uh, so what, what do you think worked for the teams at Princeton and UMass and things that you talked about some principles that you carry here. What are those principles? Well, I mean, a lot comes down to how you define success. You know, everyone looks at what Don Cahoon's been able to do uh, in his tenures at Princeton and at UMass uh, and tip their cap to him. If you look at his record at Princeton, he's about 500. Uh, but what he prepares his teams for is a playoff run. And so, yeah, you can say, and you can say the same thing of, of his stint at UMass. Um, he's had, out of his five years, he's had two great playoff runs. And, and that isn't set up by a March run. That's set up in, in September, in August, the dog days when these kids are training. Uh, but that's what he prepares his team for. So when you talk about Merrimack not having a winning season, uh, you know, I haven't lost sight of the fact that Ron Anderson took a team to the, to the Fleet Center. Uh, in 1998, where he went into Boston University, which is one of the toughest places to play in the country, and beat a, a good BU team to get to, to be a number eight seed and then get to the Fleet Center. So that, that is a successful year. So, you know, how do you define success? Well, I define success by making the playoffs and then making some noise right off the get-go. You can do all you want in the regular season. Uh, the, the best teams and the best players play the best when it matters, and when it matters is in the playoffs. So, number one, you want to get there. And number two, you want to make sure you're playing your best hockey. And if you look at Don Cahoon's teams, and believe me, I, I, I really believe that, uh, that he's one of the best coaches in college hockey, I think that that's what you see. You see teams that are prepared for the playoffs, and then he puts himself in a position, and, and he puts his teams in a position where they can have success in the playoffs. 
How do you go about preparing those teams? Uh, here we are in the beginning of August. You took the job uh, a f uh, several weeks ago, so a lot of the guys are away for the break. Maybe you uh, have had a chance to meet with some of them and talk with some of them on the phone, but a lot of them aren't going to you know, really be back, I suppose, for another couple of weeks. How do you go about starting? Uh, I guess when do things start? Have they started already? Absolutely. They started June 15th when I took the job. Um, the message, and it needs to be a consistent message to these players uh, uh, that I have to remind myself and my staff is uh, it's a day-to-day adventure I mean it's a day-to-day -day process getting yourself prepared for March and you know I, I've used this uh, I've used this analogy or I've used this euphemism before but it's one of my favorite sayings of all time and, and it's a saying from Joe Lewis that everybody wants to go to heaven but nobody wants to die I've never met anybody that wants to be a failure at anything uh, but I have also met very few that are willing to pay the price it takes to succeed so what it comes down to and the message these, these young men are going to get is that everything you do matters. Every day you wake up, and, and hockey's a blue-collar sport, and, and no different than the guy who's a plumber or an electrician or president of the United States. You've got a list of things you want to accomplish that day, and you put your head down and you put your nose to the grindstone and do as many and accomplish as many of those as you can. Uh, you go home, you kiss your wife and kids, uh, you, know, you, 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 you get a good night's sleep, and you wake up, and you look yourself in the mirror, and you do the same thing. And if you do that on a consistent enough basis for a long enough period of time, you will have success. And I believe that wholeheartedly. I've seen it firsthand. And, and that's how, how I expect Merrimack to, to reach uh, greater heights. And you talk about really a blue-collar mentality, and that, that's your reputation. That was your reputation as a player, and it's been your reputation as a coach, uh, that blue-collar mentality. They work hard. So I've got to think that as, an, uh, as you've been as an assistant coach and now as a head coach that you're going to set that example by, by being out there and working just like you want the players to work. Hey, I have a lot of confidence in myself, but I'm also cognitive of the fact that, uh, you know, some kid in, in Western Canada probably has a better idea of who Jerry York and, and Jack Parker and Red Berenson are than, than they do uh, myself. So I'm going to have to work harder than those guys, um, and I'm going to expect the same from my staff. Um, I have a lot of respect for the coaches in this league. Uh, I think it's the best league in the country. Um, but having said that, I'm not going to take a back seat in terms of what I'm willing to do to prepare my teams to succeed. Um, and that's how I have to go about my business. Uh, again, it's, it's a blue-collar sport. It always has been. If, if one team's willing to outwork another on any given night, especially in Hockey East, uh, that team can beat the best, team in, the best teams in college hockey. So um, having said that, I'm also cognizant of the fact that you, you need skilled players. You need good players. I think it was John Wooden that said, you know, 90% of the time the coach that gets off the team with the best player, gets off the bus with the best players, wins. Uh, and he was a pretty bright guy, and that's a guy who didn't have a winning season uh, at UCLA for 11 years until all of a sudden he busted out, and I think he won 10, 10 national championships back to back to back to back. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a testament to his perseverance, uh, and it's also a testament to the fact that the best coaches are the ones with the best players. So we're going to have to work hard to make that happen. Uh, let's talk a little more about recruiting. Uh, you obviously you, uh, you got a chance to share in some success last week in the NHL draft when you had uh, four players from UMass were drafted, all guys that you recruited to play there, uh, three guys who will come in next year. And uh, so obviously that's got to be something you feel pretty good about. But uh, as you come to Merrimack here, uh, what, what philosophy will you have with regard to recruiting? And uh, I guess where, where would you look for players? Well, it's, you know, you can find good players anywhere. Um, but you can't be everywhere. And what I've found is, you know, recruiting's about relationships. 
Uh, it's about the relationships that, I, that myself and my staff have with other coaches around, the, around North America. It's about the relationships that I build with those prospective student-athletes. Uh, and it's about the relationships that I have with the current players. The current, the, 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 the current team can be the best recruiting tool that I have. You know, if they feel like I'm working hard for them and they feel like their experience has been improved by me being there, then when I bring a young man on campus, they're going to be my best attributes. They're going to be my best salesmen. So, um, I mean, those are important factors. In terms of philosophy, you know what? I want hockey players. I want hockey players who are interested in getting a good education. Um, we won't spread ourselves too thin. I hope to be good in certain areas. Um, you know, I don't want to give away necessarily our... our our map of, of North America, but I recognize that we can't be everywhere. So we're going to hopefully get ahead of the curve. Uh, I've got ideas of where the best hockey players are, are coming out of, and I'm going to try to be good in those areas. There are certain places that are obvious. We have to be good in New England. We can't miss uh, good candidates in the New England area. Uh, I think you're a fool if you're not in the USHL, so we're going to try to get good in the USHL. And again, you look at the, the uh, demographics of uh, the final four teams uh, in last year and probably the last five years, you've got to be good in Western Canada to a certain extent. So those are the places I need to be. Uh, and Merrimack needs to be, and we're going to make sure that we are. How much of a hands-on recruiter are you going to be now that you move into the head coaching realm? Of course, you spent the year at Fairfield as, as, a, uh, as a head coach, but uh, you have to be around the team every day. You're the guy in charge. So how much of it will you take on yourself when it comes to recruiting, and how much will you put in the hands of your assistant coaches? Well, along with coaching the team, it's the most important thing we do. Um, it will not be at the expense of the players that are there because they're the ones that have made the commitment to the Merrimack Hockey Program. Um, but with that said, I'm going to take a very active role. It'll be the first thing we do every Monday morning. Um, I will be on the road as much as I can possibly be without sacrificing uh, my commitment to the players that are there. And I will take an active role. I enjoy recruiting. Uh, it's fun. Uh, you get to meet people from all sorts of walks of life uh, and I really think that you know you can as a head coach you can differentiate yourself from some of the other head coaches in college hockey in your willingness to get out there and, and beat the bushes so I will definitely take an integral part in, in the recruiting at Merrimack uh, then when you talk about the style of play uh, what's your philosophy with regard to style of play what type of a style I guess can the fans expect to see Merrimack play next season you can't play one style you just can't you can't be either an aggressive team or a passive team for 60 minutes. You know, you want to prepare your teams uh, to play whatever the situation calls for. Uh, with that said, you know, I also believe that it's the, the best coaches look what they have available to them and design and structure the system to best utilize those players. So, yeah, I'd like to play an up-tempo game of hockey, but not at the expense of, of success. So there are going to be times when we pressure the heck out of teams and try to hem them in and be really aggressive. And there are going to be times when the other team has good possession of the puck where we're going to be responsible and stay on the defensive side. It's my job to hold the guys accountable. It's their job to go out and play hockey. So there will be some structure to how we play, but they, I, I will not stop them from playing a very simple game, which is ice hockey. So looking at next season then, uh, and I guess also long term at the same time, uh, something I'm sure you've thought about uh, even before you took this job, uh, your, what would, I guess if you could put into a couple of sentences, your goals for next season and then maybe your goals for down the road, say five years from now? 
I believe in defining success and then redefining it. So what, what we may view as a successful season this year, hopefully we won't view as a successful season five years from now. So without getting into too much uh, future prognosticating, you know, people don't, maybe they do realize, but Merrimack's been in the league 16 years. They've been in the playoffs 14 of those 16 years. There are a lot of other programs in Hockey East that can't say the same thing. Um, and so I think, first of all, we need to get in the playoffs. We need to put ourselves in a position to get to the most important part of the season, which is the postseason. Um, once that's been secured, and, and it may not be to the last game of the season, but once that's been secured, you know, your next goal is to put yourself in a position uh, where you're gonna, you may find the most success. So, you, you know, you want to match up against a team uh, that you may feel you have the most success against. With that said, it's not always easy to do because you want to finish as high as you possibly can. And sometimes you're better off playing the number one team for whatever reason. You just may match up better against them. I think, you know, that one might be a testament to the 1998 Merrimack team. They might have matched up better against BU than they did that year against Maine. So sometimes those are out of your control. But without a doubt, playoffs is the first point of reference for us. We want to get ourselves back in the playoffs. We want to get, get to feeling good about Merrimack hockey again. Talking about that matchup against the number one team, uh, two years really that uh, since Merrimack's been in Hockey East, I suppose that people uh, think about with regard to success in the playoffs. And one of them you were playing at BC, uh, the uh, the great series in 1990. At least from a Merrimack standpoint, they played uh, three pretty good games there, and BC had to work pretty hard to to win that series in the first round of the Hockey East tournament. What do you remember about that series? Andy Hines. <laughs> uh, no, I hey, I know Andrew Casale was there. I think at the time, and um, I want to say. Um, Rob D'Amico was the goalie. I'm trying to think. I know he's a St. John's kid. Uh, they had a good team, and they were a really hard-working team, and they were very representative of, of Coach Anderson in terms of his blue-collar work ethic, and they had some hockey players for sure. Uh, but, the, but Andy Hines is what I remember because there were times in that series that he took that whole team and, that, and, and both teams on his back and was a big-time difference maker, uh, which made him such a wonderful player. And, and I ended up playing against uh, Hinesy and then traveling with him to, to uh, watch his brother Stephen play in the Olympics. Uh, they, if, if we can have guys that, that were half as competitive spirit as he had, uh, I know we'll have some successful Merrimack teams. He still holds the hockey's record for fastest hat trick in the tournament, so uh, that's something uh, that uh, 16 years later, 15 years later, still holds that record. But uh, I, I, obviously one of the big questions is the rink, the future of the rink, what's going to happen at Merrimack. Uh, uh, how much of that did you talk with the uh, – with the, uh, during the, the uh, interview process, and, uh, and, and I guess what can people look for in the future in that regard? Well, uh, to me, the two biggest things are, number one, are our kids comfortable? Do we have the type of, of infrastructure that's going to be able to attract some of the best and brightest student-athletes from throughout uh, North America? And if you've had the privilege of walking through our locker room and seeing our weight room and our video room and our players' lounge and... and uh, the training room and the and the dry the dry dressing room. I feel pretty comfortable saying that it matches up well with with almost any team in the country. And then the next most important thing is, and this is becoming more and more rare, do we have a home ice advantage? And I think we can turn Lawler into a, a home ice advantage. Uh, those to me are the two most important things in terms of, of some of the the bells and whistles and and, and some of the glitzy. Uh, parts of, of uh, the Lawler Arena and Volpe Ice Complex. Um, I want to give them a reason to want to reinvest in the program. So the, the two most important factors are there. 
what happens from there, I think, has a lot to do with the product that we put on the ice. One of the things I've heard a number of coaches say over the years has to do with uh, personal responsibility, something where they get to try to get their players to take personal responsibility for themselves and the success of the team. Is that part of your philosophy as well? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, society's changed a lot in, in uh, the, the, the 15, 20 years I've been involved in college hockey. And uh, the hardest thing for anyone in today's day and age is to look yourself in the mirror, and especially when things are going poorly, and, and point to yourself and say, what else can you do? Uh, there's a book that, that I, I had all of our players at UMass read that at some point I'll probably have the Merrimack guys read. It's called The Oz Principle. And basically the, the gist of it is wherever you are in life, you're at a minimum 50% responsible for being there, and that 50% is the only percent that you really have control over. When it, when it uses, uh, you know, Dorothy as, as sort of an analogy, she always had the ability to get home. She just didn't see it in herself. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk up to our players uh, nonstop about what are they doing with their 50%. Because I know what I'm going to be doing with mine, and I'm going to be looking down deep to see what I can do to, to best serve Merrimack Hockey and the players there. And I hope that they, if, they, if I can get enough of them to do the same, we'll be in business. Well, we're less than a couple of months away until the start of the season, so I know you're going to be getting uh, pretty excited about it. But if, if I'm a fan listening to you right now, uh, I, uh, what can you say uh, to make me come to the game, make me want to be interested in coming to follow this team? Hey, it's all about the people. It's not about the buildings. It, it, you know, what makes Merrimack College great are the, are the people. And I know we have some young men in this program that this community, alumni, student body, can wrap their arms around and embrace, whether it's Ryan Sullivan, Brian Schmidt, uh, Mike Alexiu. I mean, there's a number of players here that, that really warrant coming and supporting. And, and then, you know, we're, we're going to do the same with, with everybody. Uh, everybody in our program is going to realize that everything they do is going to have an impact. We want the fans to come out. And like I said to our marketing director, your job is to get them to come once. My job is to get them to come back, to keep coming. And, and I would say the same thing to our players. So we've got a number of wonderful stories. And as we move, as we move on and as we move forward as a program, that will be my goal. That will be uh, my impetus is to bring more and more high-caliber players to, to the Merrimack Valley. Well, Mark, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, great to have you aboard. Welcome aboard, and we'll look forward to doing this throughout the season, talking to you every now and then, and uh, be a regular guest before the games, before every game, and the uh, radio coverage of Merrimack Hockey. Hopefully the folks will tune in for that. Uh, thanks again. Welcome aboard. Well, Mike, I want to thank you as well. You know, I've been on your website, and I've, I've followed your career as a, a journalist. Uh, for many years, and anybody that knows Merrimack Hockey knows Mike Matnick, so I'd like to thank you for your efforts as well. It's, it's a pleasure, and, uh, and look forward to continued success for the Merrimack Warrior Hockey Program. All right, thanks. That's Mark Dennehy. We'll talk with him again soon, and thanks for tuning in to this broadcast. We'll talk to you later.